As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Last year, the 49ers played the Rams in week six, and it was the occasion of a major role reversal between these two teams who we like to compare all the time for good reason. They, at the time when they were both hired in 2017, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay were the two youngest coaches in the NFL, two offensive-minded guys with former 49ers ties, and uh, we decided to really track the 49ers and the Rams in a unit. So when they played last season, after the Rams were coming off a Super Bowl loss and an NFC championship, uh, and the 49ers just smashed them down at the Coliseum, that was a big deal because that was a role reversal between these two teams who were tracking so closely. And it was a dominant performance from the 49ers, especially their defense. Jared Goff averaged 1.7 net yards per pass attempt. Well, let's fast forward now to week six of 2020. These two teams are ready to square off again. This time the Rams are at the top of the league, number one in net yards per pass attempt. They're at the top of the league in pass uh, yards allowed on, on defense when you look at the net per play. And the 49ers are the team struggling. So there's a real chance this week that we'll see a role reversal in the opposite direction between the 49ers and the Rams. And Matt, I guess that's what a rivalry is all about. You like to see both sides throwing big punches. Last year, the 49ers landed two punches on the Rams, and now it looks like the 49ers are vulnerable to, to land a big punch from the Rams. Yeah, I felt like that week six game was really the the first time that the 49ers uh, you know, announced that they were a team to contend with. Because You'll recall the the big critique of them early on last year was that they weren't playing anybody good. So what happens when they when they play uh, an elite team? The Rams were just coming uh, off a Super Bowl berth. They were playing in uh, the Coliseum, and the Rams got out of that game. I remember it, uh, it. They were running on the 49ers, and it looked like they were just going to punch the 49ers in the mouth. And the 49ers uh, allowed an early touchdown, and that was it. Uh, the rest of that game, it was all 49ers, and it was, like I said, the announcement that there was a new bully on the block in the NFC West. 
and it was the 49ers. So, um, yeah, you're right. It's uh, roles are reversed again between these two teams, and, and this time the, the storyline is really can this 49ers offensive line, which has had all sorts of struggles, allowed really allowed six sacks. One of them was taken away by a penalty by the Dolphins, but uh, against a, a very middling uh, Dolphins team, this Rams defense is not middling. It's it's elite. Uh, they had eight sacks against the Washington football team this uh, this past Sunday. Four of them by Aaron Donald, who's got, I think he's got 7.5, seven and a half sacks, leads the NFL, is on pace to challenge for the, uh, the, the, the season record for sacks. So this is, this is it, it doesn't take a brain uh, scientist to figure out where the, the storyline is. It's can this interior defensive or offensive line stop Aaron Donald and give Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still got a, a bad ankle, a little bit of time. Dennis, what, what, do, you, what do you expect? What do you see as the, uh, as the keys in this game? Okay, so I'm going to give my attempt to get this team fired up. This is the Los Angeles Rams. I think the 49ers have played, the rivalry goes back a long time. I think they've played 140-something games. Uh, divisional game, uh, we used to call them the same old Lambs. Uh, this is a team that the 49ers have always bullied. Uh, the seven years I think I played for the 49ers, we never lost to the Los Angeles Rams. Wow. But it's a lot different now. We had We had bodies on the field. We had playmakers on the field. And I think that's what this 49ers team is, is missing. For sure it's what they're missing are those playmakers. And you, you spoke right there last week. Uh, the, the Dolphins, whatever it was, five sacks. Aaron Donald himself had four sacks by himself last week. So, you know, you this offensive line, again, I say it every week, and, it, and it's true every week, it's won or loss in the trenches. And, that, and that's where the game's going to go. And we've seen the last two weeks the 49ers have lost in the trenches. Offensive and defensive lines just really have not done what they need to do. I'm sorry. I'm talking about, you know, the perimeter pass rush. I'm talking about offense just opening up holes, uh, uh, staying on blocks, uh, protecting your quarterback. We saw last week, you know, both the quarterbacks, Jimmy uh, and CJ, were just harassed the entire time. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be important for them to kind of figure out this offensive line. And I don't know. How you figure it out as a team? I was talking to Guy McIntyre earlier this week, and he said it feels like they're catching a lot. You look at the, you look at what he, all he sees is on TV because he can't come to the stadium. But he's, he he looks, he says when he sees this offensive line play, he sees a lot of them just kind of catching and on the run block, not moving their feet, not punching. So you know this team, this offense needs to kind of come together as one unit and play. Um, if Jimmy's going to be out there this week, I mean, you, you got to protect him. That's the bottom line. And I think he was sacked twice last week. So you you, you got to keep him upright, comfortable pocket. And, you know, I, I don't know what, what it takes to get him kind of working at the same level or at a higher level, but they got to figure it out. And they got to figure it out soon, like Sunday soon. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, thanks for bringing up 49ers Rams history, Dennis, because I think you played through the perfect era to illustrate the dominance. Your first time facing the Rams, you actually lost November 25th, 1990, when you were a rookie. But then you only saw 17 straight wins over the Rams from that point on. 49ers beat the Rams 17 straight times after that first time that you played them as a rookie in 1990, which, I mean, that's got to be some kind of record as far as a streak of one team over another team in the NFL. And it included, I mean, just, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, rubbing salt into the wounds from you guys you beat the Rams in the final game at Bush Stadium in 1995. That's when Ken Norton Jr. beat up the goalpost. Right. Um, that was same old sorry ass Rams was caught on NFL films cameras. <laughs> um, then the Rams tried to come into Candlestick after that and think that you know they would somehow avenge that. And one of their receivers, who I forgot what his name was, I wrote about it last year. But he he beat up the uh, Todd Kinchin was his name Rams receiver Todd Kinchin. They score at Candlestick to start start the game after Ken Norton Jr. had had beaten up the goalpost at Bush Stadium. And Todd Kinchin tries to beat up the goalpost at Candlestick, and it didn't go well for the Rams. Uh, you guys came out and scored like thirty unanswered points after that. And then Gary Plummer said, "We're talking about a middleweight trying to imitate a heavyweight champion." <laughs> That's so. great. I mean, that's that's a great analogy. I mean, and I remember that 1990 game. I remember I had to play because Pierce Holt got hurt. Jackie Slater was the Hall of Famer offensive tackle. And that was my first rookie game was against Jackie Slater, the Hall of Famer. Wow. Well, yeah. And it was one of only, I believe, two losses. Yeah. In that in that 1990 season. So, I mean, talking about, you know, match up in the trenches with a, a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer at the time for a rookie. How, how tough was that? Because I feel that we're going to get the opposite of that in this game. Daniel Brunskill might as well still be a rookie at right guard. Aaron Donald is a future Hall of Famer who he's going to be facing. And, and it didn't go well for him in week 16 against Aaron Donald. So well, what's that dynamic like when, when you are a rookie against a guy that uh, is obviously of legendary status in the trenches? <laughs> scary. It's very scary. Um, you know, in, in my, my, with Jackie Slater, I remember Tommy Hart was, was one of our offensive or defensive coaches. And he told me, he said, Brown, the first snap, he's going to headbutt you. <laughs> and that was just known around the league that Jackie Slater headbutted everybody. And I was thinking, how is he going to headbutt me? i never seen it on film. And sure enough, the first play he headbutt me and almost knocked me out. I think he gave me a slight concussion. So, you know, after that, I mean, I mean, it's it's nerving. But then if you go back to kind of your technique, and I had a pretty good day against Jackie Slater as a rookie. You know, not a great day. I mean, he had, you know, he got the most of me. But I think... Once you get in the trenches, when you're in the trenches, it's just man on man. I mean, you're going to get some double teams, but it's just going to be man on man. So it just comes down to your technique. So, you know, a guy like Aaron Donald, a guy that, that moves so quick, he reminds me of, of, of a Brian Young. He's got that quick first step, and he plays everything on the edge. He doesn't get too wide. Uh, everything is tight, uh, and he's got that strong un- under move and over move, and he's got great hand placement. He can bull rush you. So... 
you got to go back to your technique. And when I, when I, again, I'll go back to Guy McIntyre. Guy says it looks like they're catching. This is a guy you can't catch. You got to punch him. You got to kind of knock him off his path a little bit. But, you know, it's going to be a tough day for Daniel. I mean, he's got to be at the top of his game. And he's got to get some help, too. He's got to get help from his tackle or his tackles and also uh, the center. So, I mean, you can't, you probably won't, isolation one-on-one, you're probably going to get beat. But you got to get some help. Your technique has to be sound, and you can't catch this dude. Well, this is a good segue for a question to Matt from me. Matt, today we're talking about the struggles of the 49ers offensive line against you know good Rams defensive front. Mike McGlinchey spoke on Wednesday, and he sounded awfully defensive about some of the criticism that the 49ers offensive line has taken. Matt, you've covered this team for longer than I have. Have you ever gotten that kind of a tone from a player, you know, at a position where there has been a ton of scrutiny and the offensive line obviously hasn't been good for the 49ers. So I thought that some a lot of the criticism has been fair, but McGlinchey seemed to imply that it hasn't been. Yeah, well, I have run into it quite a bit. And maybe Dennis could uh, answer this after I give my answer. Um, I feel like sometimes the... Uh, the team is trying to kind of boost confidence so much that, you know, what they, the, the grades that they give the players are sometimes a lot higher than what our perception is watching the games. And to be fair to Mike McGlinchey, I mean, I, I have gone through some of these games, um, you know, thinking that, you know, the, the takeaway being that, oh, man, Mike McGlinchey really struggled in this game. But then when you watch it from start to finish, and this was McGlinchey's point, he was mostly good. Um, he has fallen apart at the end of games, which is, you know, the crucial part. I mean, when, when you absolutely got to have it, he's been allowing pressure and allowing sacks. So um, you can be good for 95% of the game, but if you're not uh, on your game that last 5%, uh, that's, you know, that, that's, that counts. And, that, and, that, and sometimes that counts more. Uh, so I, I think there's, there's a little bit of that going on. Um, you know, in, in those um, crucial moments, he hasn't been good. And that sort of uh, exacerbates the perception. But Dennis, uh, do you, did you ever find that when you were a player that, um, you know, the, the grades that you got from your position coaches, whomever, uh, were good, but uh, there were a couple of, you know, uh, plays that might have stood out that weren't good that sort of colored the perception of how well a player did. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question because, um, you know, you get graded out. I don't know what they do now, but you're graded out. When I was with the Niners, you got graded out by your coach, and then you got graded out by the guys in the room. And, uh, of course, the grade from your coach is important, but you were you were more interested in kind of what how other guys kind of saw your play. And I came out of a tough room. Charles Haley, Michael Carter, Kevin Fagan, Pierce Holt, Larry Roberts. And they, you know, we we were pretty hard on each other because I mean, we didn't want to build up any false confidence. Yeah. So I, I don't know how they grade now, but um, it was never, you never really left a room unless, you know, it was like a dominating game, especially after a loss. You never really graded out very high because there's a reason why you lost a football game. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, sacks are given up. There's a reason why uh, teams run the ball on you because your technique's not sound. So I don't really know how they do it now. I can just I just remember my first couple years in the league. I didn't think I belonged in the league because I graded out very very low, and, I, and most of the guys in the room did. 
because, except for Michael Carter, I think we're kind of afraid of Michael Carter. But, <laughs> but the other guys kind of graded you. I mean, you had a you had a grade from your coach, and the coach did it. You know, your you know, if you knew the defense, if you had the right arm free, you know, if you were in your gap, your responsibility, you knew the blitz. But then, you know, the guys in the room would grade you on your effort. They would grade you on your technique. What kind of swim move was that? What kind of rip is that? Uh, didn't you see the formation? You should have known the play. So, you know, I don't know what they do now, but um, I would I, 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 I doubt to think that you want to build some false confidence, especially right now. I mean, I, I like that you say Mike had a little bit of edge to him. And I think that's what this team is kind of missing right now. I don't know if it was because of the Super Bowl and the, and the great success last season. I don't see the edge anymore. I just don't see that that those guys like those headhunters. You think about you think about that secondary. I mean, there's not a headhunter on that secondary. I mean, there's no one that if someone comes across the window, the middle, it's going to be like pow, take somebody out. You just don't see it. So I, I like to hear that it's a little bit edgy, and these guys got to start playing on the edge a little bit, and they got to get mad. You got to get pissed off and go out there and play football in a pissed off mode. You know, I, I understand the marking of it. It's the happy-go-lucky, rah-rah-rah, mic'd-up jokes. You know, defense, it ain't, it ain't many jokes going on out there. I mean, it's a serious game, and you really have to play with an edge. So I, it's good to hear that, that Mike's got a little edgy, and I think it's good. You get on him a little bit and get him pissed off. And hopefully he can direct that anger toward the 49ers' performance and toward the Rams and not at the media and on Twitter. I thought that was the <laughs> intro, but maybe anger is anger. Maybe whatever he yeah. needs to fuel himself to play better is there. But uh, I mean, he, he really took exception with, and I, I take exception with this too. I hate when people take one clip on Twitter and start, you know, circulating it widely saying that they understand offensive line play better than anybody else. And there's a lot of that on Twitter. It's really hard in this environment, a toxic environment often, that's limited to posts with 280 characters uh, with people trying to get as many clicks and retweets as possible. So they're trying to find the most shocking thing and then they put it out there without context and then it's usually the most shocking thing that gets the most retweets. So Mike McGlinchey sees you, you know, his worst play from the Eagles game going around without any context 5,000, 10,000 times on Twitter. So I can see how he's upset for the 49ers sake Hopefully his anger about that is channeled in productive fashion, like you said, Dennis. So it's channeled in a way that that gets the 49ers to play better. But that does bring up, you know, a really interesting point that that Matt initially brought up here. And it's the 49ers way of grading things. And it, this is a bigger thing, a bigger issue that goes back to something Kyle Shanahan said after the Eagles game. He took a shot at Pro Football Focus, which grades players after these games. And it was when we were, you know, really trying to dissect what was wrong with the 49ers offensive line. And and granted, this is a tough line to evaluate because it's an unconventional line, especially in this day and age of passing football. The 49ers are a run-block first team. And often, even on pass-block plays, they're going to try to sell run-blocks because it's uh, the situation where they're running play action. So they're going to try to fool the defense by going run-block off the snap and the, a t very prepared defensive front like the Eagles front uh, is going to be able to sidestep that and put immediate pressure on the quarterback. And it gets to a point where it doesn't look good at all for the 49ers offensive line if they're you know, being outfoxed by the defensive line. So because of that, 
there is an argument to be made that the 49ers offensive line is being asked to do things that are not readily apparent on film. And Kyle Shanahan pointed out that the grading systems that you guys use, obviously referring to PFF, do not account for the things that I asked my offensive linemen to do. So the offensive linemen are going to grade worse publicly than they will grade in the building. And that goes right back to Matt's point saying that the 49ers might be inflating this offensive line's grades a little bit. Well, we saw that with, with Trent Williams too. I mean, Trent Williams was coming off that bad Eagles game and we asked him about that and he seemed to be kind of surprised, flabbergasted. And he said, well, you know, I only got knocked for a half sack in that game. I had a good game otherwise. And that was not the perception, and, and we saw it. It was just one play after another. He was just not himself in that game. So, um, yeah, I mean, all of this is, is interesting. To, to Dennis's point, you, know, you got to ask, who on this team is getting pissed off? I mean, if, if these guys are coming off of these games, you know, allowing six sacks to the Dolphins and aren't upset with themselves about it, then uh, there's something wrong with that. But... Um, you know, there's no Richard Sherman right now. There's no Joe Staley on this team. Uh, Trent Williams is just kind of coming in from somewhere else this year. I, I do wonder who, who the voices are. And we, we, we did hear George Kittle speak up uh, and be critical. And I think uh, Fred Warner is trying his best to be that guy. Uh, he's sort of growing into that role. But otherwise, I, I don't know who the... The Ronnie Lots are, um, and other guys who have been, you know, vocal. The Justin Smiths, the guys who are going to kick ass and make sure that things like that don't happen two games in a row. I don't know who those guys are now. We don't have any access to the locker room this year. That's that's part of the problem. But um, I, I think there's got to be some guys who need to kind of find their voice, uh, and they got to do it fast because, uh, as we've noted several times, this is the this is the stretch of death that they're hitting right now. So it's it's now or never if they're going to kind of salvage the season. Yeah, and, you know, as you said that, I was sitting there thinking, you know, who who would that guy be? I mean, it, it takes – I mean, leadership is leadership. I mean, you can – I think Fred Warner's great leadership by example. I mean, who who is that guy on, on either side of the ball? I think Joe Staley was that guy. <laughs> He's on Twitter now tweeting about the team. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> it's not Garoppolo, I'll tell you that. It's not Garoppolo. You know, Richard Sherman, yeah, but you got to be on the field a little bit. You, you can still do a little bit on the sidelines, but there's only so much you can do. So, I, you know, Quan Alexander, I don't know. Quan's hurt now, too. <laughs> who isn't hurt? Who is that guy? Especially when you have a lot of guys and you got guys coming from practice squads and guys coming from other teams now. I mean, who, who is that guy that's got that, that tenure where you can go out and you can just really get after some people? And that's what it is. I mean, you have to have that veteran presence, guys who have been there and kind of done that, that can kind of get, can kind of check you, kind of make you accountable for what's going on. And the only person I can talk, I can, I can think about is the coach. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has to get after these guys. I don't know what, I don't know what happens in a locker room. I don't know what happens in meetings. But at some point, I mean, you got to get after these guys. I mean, this this five game stretch was supposed to be, you know, your time to have your little preseason. It was it was a great it was a great schedule. I mean, and you come at home, and especially this 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 three game you know home stand. I mean, you were supposed to win, split, you know, come back with something, and not be blown out. So I mean, I think when I think about it, I just think you know the head coach has got to 
you got to get after some guys. You got to challenge some guys. I mean, you got to check some guys and say, hey, what is the dealio? We were in the Super Bowl last year. We kicked butt. What is the drop-off? I know it's injuries, but you got you got to check some of these guys. So, you know, when I think of a leadership, I, I think it's time for Kyle Shanahan. You say find a voice. I don't know what, what kind of coach he is. Um, I know his dad would go off on the offense if we didn't run if, if they didn't run offenses right during practice, he would go off on them. So, I mean, I think it's time for you know that head coach to get after some people. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, and we can't see behind closed doors. And based on what we hear from the players, they say that Shanahan's brutally honest when stuff doesn't go right, or even when it goes right, he he goes out there and you know says that you know that this was unacceptable. I do wonder if tone makes a difference because Shanahan. I mean, that guy is X's and O's, lives and breathes football. It's hard to picture him raising his voice you know maybe it is a time when they need a little bit more of a, of a yelling approach but he's very calm methodical and he'll say you screwed something up really bad and this is according to what the players have told us um, but I'm not really sure if he's a yeller and a screamer or if that's what the 49ers need you know there is a theory that I'm just coming up with in my head right now that Shanahan that's just not in his personality he's not the yeller and the screamer he's the guy that will criticize you he'll dissect what you did wrong but maybe the 49ers fire maybe that you know sense of uh, of um, you know anger and yelling and screaming did come from guys like Richard Sherman who's on IR right now did from come from guys like Joe Staley who is instead tweeting his displeasure right now instead of yelling it in the huddle so maybe that is something that has been missing. I don't know. It's, it's, that's awfully hard to quantify. I, I always just like to zoom out in situations like this and say, hey, the 49ers have 13 players on, on injured reserve. Uh, it, you could call that an excuse. You can call it a reason. Whatever you want to call it, let's put it this way. Teams would not go through the pains of drafting every year, and they would not go through the pains of signing free agents every year if talent wasn't a big deal. And Matt, right now the 49ers – are just missing a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. If Garoppolo's not fully healthy, that's also you know a deficiency of talent at the quarterback position. And hopefully for them, they get a little bit healthier this week. I think the most glaring weakness on the defensive side last week should be patched up. Brian Allen shouldn't have to play this week because it looks like Emmanuel Mosley should be back at that spot. Yeah, and that's a big deal, obviously. Um, yeah, Emmanuel Mosley should be back. Uh, Akella Witherspoon didn't even show up on the uh, injury report this week, which, you know, depending on your stance on things uh, is is interesting. But uh, the fact of the matter is that he should be healthy too. So um, I, my guess is that the, the cornerback uh, trio will be uh, Jason Barrett, who's, you know, one of the – if there are any good news stories coming out of this defense over the first five weeks, um, he's one of them. He's, he's played really well, I think. 
so he'll be starting at one spot, and I think it'll probably be Mosley at the other, and then Jamar Taylor would be the, the nickel cornerback. What, what's interesting about that group is that they're all about five foot eleven or shorter, uh, and this has been a, a cornerback crew that's uh, you know been noted for its size. This is sort of like the the Seahawks model when uh, Robert Sala came in in 2017. Have six foot three guys with long arms who can press cover. Now there's going to be a bunch of Smurfs over there, so that'll be interesting um, to see how they handle Cooper Cup and. Uh, Robert Woods in that receiving core, and Jared Goff is having a, a, a nice Jared Goff-like season. So um, uh, that uh, would be, I think that would be the sixth different cornerback composition that this team has had through six games. So that starts to explain why this, uh, this secondary hasn't been all that good this year. Uh, they just can't get the same guys uh, out on the field. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, you got to you got Cooper Cup, you said, and, you know, he lines up in that flanker a lot. And yeah. I think Kwan's out, and, you know, that's you know that's their – they don't really have a deep threat, the Rams, but they have a pretty strong uh, receiving core, and they've got a quarterback that's kind of found his magic again. Um, and then you don't have your perimeter rushing. And if you remember playing the Rams last year, that was a thing that, you know, Jared Goff couldn't, couldn't really handle the pressure. And that's what, you know, caused a lot of mistakes and a lot of miscues so, and bad balls. So, you know, you don't have that perimeter rushing. Uh, your secondary gets back. And, uh, I mean, you just have to kind of figure it out. Um, you know, if you can't get to them, you you got to disguise some coverages. you got to run some games up front. you got to figure out how you can get um, this defensive line moving. Eric Armstead, Kerry Hyder Jr., try to figure out how you can utilize, you know, your two best guys up front. You know, and, and if Deion Jordan's going to be a guy that if he's going to be an outside guy, but you got to figure out up front what you're going to do with what you got. And I think Kerry Hyder Jr. is having a great season. He's come out of nowhere. I think, you know, Eric Armstead is 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 playing well. I think you need to kind of get him involved with some more some more stunts so he can kind of come around. But he's got to keep contained. So you got to be you just got to be disciplined, and it's going to be a challenge. And 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 I you know it's a home game, of course, the home. The home field advantage is, is nothing right now because the stadiums are empty. But the you know 49ers, again, you, you can't let this offense get cooking. Last week, you know, saw Ryan Fitzpatrick in 14 plays. It was 14 points. And, you know, the, the he, 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 he looked like a Pro Bowl quarterback. Same thing with Carson Wentz because you let this offense, you let the offenses get some confidence, get some timing, get some rhythm, and walk right down the field. So this week it's going to be crucial that you don't let that happen as far as the defense goes. Well, guys, let's try something new this week. Uh, I put out a tweet asking for some questions if people wanted to hear them answered on the podcast, and we're already overwhelmed with responses. There's like 30 or 40 questions, so obviously we're not going to do that, but we can take at least a few of these questions and kind of rapid-fire respond to them, and uh, I think that will you know, help people interact with us a bit, especially during this time of relative isolation. So let's get right to them. First question that popped out at me, does this Sunday night determine if we bring Jimmy Garoppolo back or not next year from a guy named Carzo on Twitter? 
Uh, no, this this one game does not determine whether or not the 49ers bring Jimmy Garoppolo back or not next year, especially one game in which he may still be hurt, likely probably still is hurt, behind a struggling offensive line against the best pass defense in football so far this year, thanks in large part to the fact that Aaron Donald is leading the NFL in sacks and Jalen Ramsey is playing really well. Guys, this is a huge challenge for the 49ers. They're not cohesive offensively. It never comes down to one player quarterbacks take way too much of the blame they get way too much of the credit right now garoppolo is getting way too much of the blame here's my my response to that is that um no it's not going to make or break whether he comes back next year but i think it is an important game for jimmy garoppolo because kyle shanahan basically sent a message that yeah you've got a high ankle sprain yes high ankle sprains linger you're going to have to learn how to, to play with it. I mean, you're going to have to learn how to manage it and deal with it. So this is going to be a real kind of test of Jimmy Garoppolo's grit and toughness. He's never really had to play injured. He had He's had injuries, but he hasn't had to play with them like he will in this game. And obviously, it's an injury that affects his mobility and it affects his throwing. Oh, and he's playing against Aaron Donald. So it's a, it's a test of who Jimmy Garoppolo is. If he could grit out a win in this game, wow. I mean, I think that would, that would uh, be a signal that this is the guy that you want for the long term. Uh, it's a challenge, uh, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a big one this week. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, this game is not going to determine it uh, if he comes back. But what could? I mean, we're talking about Aaron Donald. This still is the, the, one of the best defenses in the NFL. They lead the league in sacks. Michael Brockers, I mean, if this offensive line gets Jimmy Garoppolo hurt again, that could be a fra- factor in if he's going to come back or not. If, he, if he's going to take a shot uh, and he gets re-injured knee or whatever it is, um, that could determine it. So, you know, uh, not from his, just his play, I don't think, if he has a go and has a bad game, I don't think that matters. But if he goes out and this offensive line lets, it, this, lets this defensive line get after him and hurt him again, uh, that might have some some uh, consequences in the long run. Here's an interesting one. Do you think that Matt Breida had a big impact in terms of tipping off the Dolphins' defense to 49ers' offensive cues and tendencies? Uh, th- that's a good question from MB Raptor 2005 and, and it's a good question because I, I did wonder, and I have wondered, if the 49ers have an offensive tell so far this year. Uh, at the line of scrimmage. For example, they're number 28 in pass offense DVOA on first downs a year after being in the top five on first downs. They really did a good job setting the table early on, uh, and and opponents really couldn't be sure if they're running or passing on first down. This season, it seems that opponents are ready for that first down pass at the very least. They may not have been as ready for the first down run. That's where Raheem Raheem Mostert has busted out his uh, long carries, but uh, in general the 49ers just aren't as efficient overall and especially with Garoppolo or Mullins or whoever is passing on first down that's been the case so Matt do you think there's anything to the 49ers tipping some stuff off or maybe I should ask Dennis this question because you're on the defensive line is there such thing as an offensive tell when you're a defensive lineman between run and pass yeah it's called watching film I mean (laughs) there's 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 a lot of film on the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan now um, I'm sure uh, uh, Cheetah Brita was quizzed by the coaches, the defensive coaches, offensive coaches, and just kind of seeing what kind of keys they can get. That's why, you know, it's key when you have guys from other teams on your team that you're going to play. But if you just, if you watch the films, you watch tendencies, um, film study, super important. Coaches, they have coaches that break down films. 
Uh, you can tell by a formation. You know what, what you're getting with a Cal Shanahan offense. It could be run or pass, but I'm sure there's something in offensive line, uh, you know, splits, uh, formations, uh, motions. And if, you know, and if, if you're a linebacker that's studying, that's what linebackers are supposed to do, you can kind of tell what, what the play is going to be. I can remember Ken Norton, Gary Plummer, uh, those guys, sometimes they would call the plays before they even happened. And that's just from film study and tendencies. Yeah, I, I think the tell was that, you know, the 49ers had a rookie wide out at one spot. They had a guy coming off an injury at, at another spot. And, um, you know, everybody knew that uh, they were going to try to run the ball. So um, that, that was uh, what, you know, the, the, the Eagles did and what the Dolphins did. They played their, their defense to stop the run. Um, and, you know, the Dolphins also knew that Jimmy Garoppolo was coming off an injury, too. So uh, that, that made the, the, the 49ers more one-dimensional than they normally are. Uh, and, and that was probably the, the biggest reason why the, the Dolphins' defense was able to kind of jump all over the offense. We'll be back right after this. Let's do uh, one or two more here. Would the 49ers trade for anybody this season? I keep on seeing an Alex Mack rumor. I think that would solve a lot. Western Richburg can't be counted on to be healthy. That is from Christian Acosta. Uh, my answer is no, because just look at the 49ers salary cap situation. They're down to $3.6 million in salary cap space. They restructured D Ford's contract before the season just to open up some more short-term room, just to give themselves some more maneuverability in case they wanted to, you know, uh, go for broke toward the Super Bowl this year. Last season, they needed some room to trade for Emmanuel Sanders. And then, you know, they've already added some pieces like Ziggy Ansah, who they had to pay a couple million dollars to. And, and that's where that, you know, extra room went to. Now they're down to three million or so. Yeah, you can maybe fit, you know, a, a big contract if you somehow restructured it in. But uh, I don't think you want to do that unless you're fully sure that you are actually in contention. And, uh, you know, we're probably going to find out <laughs> for sure if the 49ers are in contention or not here the next couple of weeks. So uh, I think no. And, uh, and I also do think that the 49ers are holding out hope that they can patch it together over a few weeks here, maybe win a couple of these tough games with what they got. And if Weston Richburg does come back, that, that might help the offensive line a lot. Yeah. In contention, I think, is the key word there. I mean, if they were four and one right now and uh, it was like last year where Kyle Shanahan thought that this team was really good, had a shot at the Super Bowl, just needed a little tweak here and there. That's why they went out and got Emmanuel Sanders last year. They might do it, but uh, ugh, at, uh, at 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 two and three, um, Alex Mack I think is 34, going to turn 35 next month. Um, I don't think you want to be uh, a buyer uh, like that. I think they're going to be sellers this year in, in terms of uh, trying to trade guys. Yeah, and I think you just said it, Dave. It's 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 the business. I mean, if you, if you don't have the money, I don't think you have to go out there. I don't. There's it, there's really not much on the team that you can you can kind of put on the trade block right now. So, I think it, it's 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 a financial thing. I think with the salary cap, they just can't really go out and get someone. I'm sure every day John Lynch is trying to figure out something or who, who can who can be a trade, but I, I just don't see, you know, and, and who's out there? You're talking, you know, 35-year-old guys. So 
I say no. Yeah, I mean, it, you could always mortgage the future, but it's not really smart to mortgage your future if this season's going down the drain. It's it's that's not the season that you want to do that in. Instead, you want to focus on making sure you have more resources for this off season to try to make a quick turnaround back into 2020. You can do what the Rams did last year. They traded for Austin Corbett, who is now playing right guard for them, and that's one reason why their offensive line is a whole lot better than last season. So I would say that any trade that the 49ers make this season is going to be a really future-facing trade, especially if this season continues to go the way that it's going. And hey, maybe it turns around on Sunday. I don't know. Let's make our predictions. I don't think it's going to turn around on Sunday uh, just because uh, just because of the health realities of this team. Uh, it's You don't have Richard Sherman. You don't have Nick Bosa on the defensive line. I mean, those are two guys that gave the Rams fits last year, especially Bosa and D Ford. I mean, the 49ers, especially in that first game, were able to bring the heat, suffocate the Rams, and I do think they're going to reach some more offensive consistency and fluidity this week. Jimmy Garoppolo was able to to get the job done against the Rams last season, uh, despite you know some difficulties, and and the offensive line is still mostly intact. So I think the 49ers will be able to score. They'll be able to do some things this week that will calm some people down in that regard. But I just don't think that overall they have enough horses to get this done. So it's going to be one of those close divisional matchups, but the Rams are going to win this one 27-23. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, the, the Rams have scored uh, 30 points in all but one game this year. And uh, going back to something Dennis said earlier about you know just how bad Jared Goff looked last year when the 49ers were able to get pressure on him, it's just very hard to see him being pressured a lot. Uh, with this uh, this makeshift defensive line, so I, I think he's going to have a a nice Jared Goff like day. Um, he's going to spread the ball around the field. Uh, not going to be any huge plays, but um, you know, matriculating the ball up and down the field. I, I've got it uh, thirty to twenty four, Los Angeles Rams. I think we're going to be put back in a time warp to Chip Kelly era, and I think the 49ers are just going to struggle. I think this defense is going to – they're going to smother whoever's out there at quarterback. Um, And I just – I don't see this defense right now being able to stop the big plays. So I'm going to say the Rams put up 30 points again. I I say the 49ers put up a late 14 points. Wow. Blowout. So 2016 era, yeah, that that, that escalated or de-escalated really quickly. Did you say say Chip Kelly era or Chip Kelly error? Because uh, they're both correct. <laughs> Whatever years he was there, I mean, that, well, that's what it felt like last week. Watching it was, it did. I, mean, I, it did. I, I really felt that we were in a time warp. I was like, "What is going on?" And I, I and I see it's just if you don't if if you don't have perimeter rush, you don't have coverage on the perimeter. You can forget about it. I mean, it's it's just tough to play yeah. in the NFL. It's just really tough. Well, the 49ers can hope that last week only got so bad because of Brian Allen at corner and. Jimmy Garoppolo really, really being out of it last week. So they, they, they're holding out hope, I would think, that those two things get better. But you may be right. If they don't, this is absolutely the 2016, 2017, 2018 49ers. No question about it. Um, if those things do get better, then this is a 49ers team that's not quite as strong as 2019, but 
probably can still be in playoff contention. So that's the variable that we're waiting to see which way it's going to swing. Anyway, nice talking to everybody this week. Submit your questions for next week and stay tuned on Twitter just in case uh, we have an opportunity for you guys to get your voice heard on the podcast. Uh, For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you next week.